We have a special edition of Out in the Field today. We're joined by Yankees insider, NJ.com, uh, Branson Cully. Branson, what's going on? Not much, man. Uh, just uh, covering this team, enjoying covering this team. It's, uh, it's been a crazy season so far, unlike any I've covered in my nine years on the beat. Nine years is wild to say, but I mean, I'm fortunate, I'm lucky. What a cool job I have. So I'll give a little introduction to Brendan before he does himself. So we started talking with the Tex Insider program. You guys run you, Bob Clapish and Randy Miller. I fully endorse this. You guys do a great job keeping us updated. We have some good conversations in there. So everyone can check that out. I appreciate it. And by the way, we've, um, we're, we're, we've made it a conscious effort to step that up uh, more in the last few weeks. And we're going to be stepping it up more. So, you know, uh, we do a good job with it, but we're going to do a better job with it as we come along. All right, I love hearing that. And then we got to meet at Somerset finally this year. We've been there a couple times together now. We saw Volpe's first game, and then you popped in another time too. So that's been a cool experience too, because I know you try to get down there sometimes when you have some uh, off days for the Yankees. Not even off days, man. When I'm down there, I'm working. <laughs> well, off, I'm at Yankee off days. Like, I know you still do work down there, but I guess you do work for everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I especially see um, – minor league coverage uh, of the Yankees as especially important. You know, I see it as an underserved market. I see it as uh, something that not many other outlets focus on and yet fans are dying to know more about. Oh yeah, I'm trying my best to do that and help people out with that as much as I can. Cause I know, like, like you said, it's not like something a lot of people are doing. So I definitely enjoy doing it and giving some people some information that they may not have. Good, good, good. Also, if you guys just saw me wince, this uh, espresso is just darker than my soul. Uh, so strong as hell, and believe me, I need the caffeine. So now I will let you do an intro, because I like to have all my guests do intros. So tell me how you got started into your career, and like what led you to the Yankees and everything you're doing now. Damn, man. Uh, I'm lucky. We'll start there. I never had to choose a career path. I didn't have to say, this is what I want to do. Let me work toward it. When I was 19, I was at the County College of Morris, playing baseball, uh, going to class, undeclared, no real major. A professor of mine or someone suggested that I just get on the school paper because they just thought that I'd be good at, you know, doing a little bit of writing, talking to people. And the sports editor job was wide open. This is the County College of Morris in Randolph, New Jersey. I grew up in a pack on New Jersey. And I loved it. I had a great time doing it. And one of my professors said that our local paper, the Daily Record, had a job opening. Yeah, I should go for it. I was making like 10 bucks an hour working at Dick's Sporting Goods at the time. And this job was offering $7.25 an hour, answering phones, writing quick recaps at the Daily Record. And I said, I'm going for it. And that was my part-time job for a little while. They stepped me up to part-time reporter at that point. I did high schools covering cross country, wrestling, track, football, everything. And it was so cool because I got to really learn how to report immediately. I got to jump on assignments right away. I'll never forget my first assignment. I thought my boss would like go with me and show me how to do it. He said, nah, go. And I came back and I wrote and he tore my stuff up. This is awful. <laughs> and showed me how, how bad it was. I'll get to the point though. I turned that into a part-time job. Turned that into a full-time job with SNY, working for the great Ted Berg um, at SNY for a little while. 
then graduated from college, the uh, William Patterson University, that's where I finished off. And man, jumped from the New Jersey Herald to uh, AOL, patch.com covering uh, regular news. Moved to NJ.com covering crime, courts, education. Did that for a year and a half, two years. And then this Yankees job opened and it seemed like they were having a hard time filling it. Uh, I think there were a lot of reasons there, but I'm not gonna get into. But they were just having a hard time finding someone. And I applied and they said, hey, let's, let's give this kid a shot. And eight, nine years later, here I am. Wow, that's an awesome story. Um, love hearing the progressions, how you did all those things to get there. And I actually- By the way, to- by the way I, I recognize that like, I get to, I get to cover the team that I grew up a fan of. I, I, I'll tell everybody, I grew up a Yankees fan. I don't root for them anymore because you can't do your job independently as a reporter when you're rooting for a team. But, you know, uh, that, that's the truth. I grew up watching Yankees baseball. Uh, I grew up uh, a big Derek Jeter guy who I got to cover his last year. Um, and once you get to cover the team and once you get to see how the sausage is made, uh, as, the, as the phrase goes, you kind of stop being a fan altogether. Like when I stopped covering baseball, I'll probably never be a fan of a team again. It's just <laughs> how it works. I mean, I was a Yankees fan. I'm not now. And I probably will never be a fan of a team again. That's nothing against the Yankees. Just from, it's from doing the job. So that, that's how I approach my, my objectivity. Right. I've heard that's how it goes. Like a lot of people say they grow up fans. It seems when they lose that once they start working for the team and everything, like kind of toeing the line a little bit. I mean, yeah, I'm a Yankees fan. Yeah. I do some reporting on them too. I don't have a technical yeah, the mysticism, outlet yet, the but. The, the mysticism goes away, right? The, um, the, the fandom goes away. You know, you start to realize that these guys are just, are dudes just like you, Derek Jeter, uh, Jorge Posada, uh, Bernie Williams, they're all guys just like you, just they're really skilled at what they do and they make a ton of money. So right. the, 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 the heroism goes away once you, once you get up close. Yeah. They're all good dudes, all good dudes. I, I've really had almost no bad experiences in covering the Yankees on a professional, on a personal level. So all good dudes. Well, that's good. Um, I was going to tell you quickly, I also did, went to William Patterson. I did graduate from there. So like we have that in common. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Hobart Hall. Yep, Hobart Hall, the communications, they, that was still going strong. And that's like, just, it's really funny because you're isolated for everyone else because like all the other stuff's like on the complete other side, you got to walk across that bridge in the parking lot and everything. And it's just like, Worse. there's no yeah, food out there either. Like you think they have some food in there, you know? I was there, I'll make this road, your fans don't want to hear this, but when I, I was there when they were first building that student center. And like the first thing they had was a Burger King and a Chinese spot. And we thought that was so cool. We couldn't believe we had a Burger King on campus. I ate so many of those original chicken sandwiches. I can't eat one of those now or else my ass would be jiggling for a week. But uh, <laughs> but like they were good for, for a 20-year-old 20, 20 burger. Yeah, I remember seeing those two places too. But let's get back to real baseball. Everyone wants to actually hear us talk about it. So the Yankees have been exceptional. It's been a historic pace. Like, pace. I'm like, talking I'm about talking. the Mariners record. If they went forward the next seven, they'll be on pace for that at the All-Star break, which is crazy. I never thought they would be this good. I wasn't one of the people that was down and said it was a fourth-place team, but no one expected this. I mean, this has just been incredible. I mean, it's hard to say one thing, but, like, what are some of the most surprising parts of the start? I mean, where do you begin? The, right? Yankees, didn't, the Yankees didn't think they'd be this good. Like, they didn't. You know, they, I, I know of some you know, uh, different trade scenarios they had uh, bubbling toward uh, the end of spring training that would have sent, you know, a, a significant guy or two away. Uh, and, you know, some moves are the best moves you don't make or some moves are the best moves you get turned down on. 
So uh, the Yankees didn't see they didn't realize they'd be this good. Um, I don't think the players realized it, but hey, they, they do believe in themselves and they did give themselves a chance to be this good and they're, and they're capitalizing on it. It's It's been fun to watch. I've been surprised by the starting rotation. Not like there aren't names in there who can do what they're doing, but I, and Julian, I think you'd agree, so many of these Yankees teams over the last few years have been built off, man, best case scenario, this team is a first place team, but it was built off best case scenarios. It was like, you look at it and you say, nah, I don't know if that's going to work out uh, on a few different spots in the lineup. And now it's all working out. It's all best case scenario. And yeah, they're, they're approaching history. Yeah, it's, it's really something to see. Like, I don't know how much it would push that because they're going to have the AOEs wrapped up quite easily. Even the first seed probably will have to fly off the Houston Astros. So that's going to be something to see down the stretch. And now um, as we gear towards this trade deadline, what do you think they should do? Or what do you think they might end up doing? Like, what are some ideas that you would have for them? I think it wouldn't be a Brian Cashman trade deadline if he wasn't looking to improve the, the pitching staff uh, on both ends, the, the starting rotation and the bullpen. The Yankees' bullpen is nasty, and they're going to be getting guys back like Jonathan Lewisica, uh, Araldis Chapman here pretty soon, Zach Britton in September. You can collapse Domingo Herman into the bullpen if you need to, Nestor Cortez if the Yankees feel like his, uh, his starting pitcher workload is too much. They can ease off him, maybe throw him in the bullpen. Who knows? I think that the Yankees will, though, uh, target a starting pitcher. I do think that uh, a couple other guys they might want to ease off of. Luis Severino coming off only pitching like a few innings since 2018. Nestor Cortez not used to handling this kind of workload. It's just uh, I think they're going to want to get starting pitching. And will they make it happen? I don't know. They might look at Domingo Herman as that addition. That, that, that fifth starter, sixth starter. They might look at J.P. Sears, who had another great start on Tuesday as that guy who can eat the innings. Maybe these are auditions for the second half. The, the guys like J.P. Sears, Domingo Herman, Clark Schmidt even. So uh, also, ideal world, the Yankees go for a center fielder who's not a negative offensively. Yeah. I don't think they want to keep Aaron Judge in center field. I do think he's their best center field option. I don't think they want to keep running him out there every day at a concern that just something happens, that he gets hurt, and all of a sudden you're looking at that easy American League East title starting to be in jeopardy when you when you pull him out of the lineup every day. So I, I do think that they'd be best served by finding some kind of center fielder who can who can hit a little bit. Esteban Floriel is having a, a stupid season. At uh, at AAA, well, stupid's not the way to put it, but he, he they're the best numbers he's put up in a while. I, I know a lot. I know a lot of that is BABIP driven. You know, he's he's really, or at least was as of a couple of weeks ago. Last time I checked, his uh, his batting average on balls and play numbers were just double like what, what he had previously. So maybe he's gonna do for a little bit of a, a regression. But yeah, I think that's what they got to do. I think they got to figure out a way to get uh, Aaron Judge a little bit off his feet, let him play a little bit more right field. And I think that I think that they have to find a way. Uh, it's tough to say this, right? Because Joey Gallo is so talented and, and, and could be such an impact bat. But I don't know that with how he's played since he's joined the Yankees, that they want to look at him as someone they want at the plate in the playoffs. Yeah. And that's, that's tough to say because uh, I, I get to see this every day how much Joey Gallo cares how hard he's working what he's doing 
but it doesn't seem like it's translating and it, it might it might be times up by the deadline. I'm happy you hit on that because I was going to ask. I'm sure you knew I would have to ask him. And unfortunately, it's a topic we have to discuss because I I like what Gallo does too, like off the field. He seems like a good clubhouse guy and you just back that up. And it's not like he doesn't care. It's just the results aren't there. His OPS is like 200 points lower almost from since he's joined the Yankees from what he was doing in Texas. So like, it's not even like the low batting average and strikeouts for me. It's just the fact that the power numbers aren't there. Like he's not getting on base as much like, if he was doing what we did in Texas, I would be okay with it. I know some people wouldn't, but like I think ultimately it would be okay. Um, but it's not happening, and I agree with the center field part too. Yeah, I mean, listen, if he was doing what he was doing in Texas, he'd be better than he was in Texas because you got that left field short porch at Yankee Stadium. Now, he, 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 I think he had like an A ten OPS career in, in Texas, maybe maybe a little bit higher than that. I think that would be. 875 900 even if he if he was doing what he was doing in texas it's hard to say what the problem is yeah i think the easy jumps to conclusions are that the yankees will face i think each team's best starting pitching uh, every every series the like teams will line up their best against the yankees they'll go hard against the yankees because of what a good team the yankees are i don't think the rangers got the same treatment I don't think the Rangers saw the same kinds of competition as the AL East. And I do think that he's, uh, he, he, he's kind of getting it. They're, 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 go, they're going after him. They, they've kind of figured out that, that uh, upper third of the strike zone, high fastball, he can't lay off it, and he swings through it sometimes. And I just think it's all compounded into one. I'm not going to try to get into his mind state. I'm not going to say that he can't play in New York because I think some of that is, is garbage. Um, when it comes to a lot of players, but I do think it's all just snowballing at once for him, and he might be better off off elsewhere where he can get a fresh start. Especially, Joey's in a, a contract year. We talk a lot about Aaron Judge, but he'll be a free agent after next season. And the, with the way he's playing, is it a guarantee he gets a major league deal somewhere if he doesn't turn it up? Yeah, I mean, it's that's how bad it's been, and it's crazy to think because the Rangers were prepared to give him a lot of money, and he turned it down. Um, so that's not looking like a great uh, idea on his part, but we'll see if he can get it together. I do think the change of scenery is probably best for him, unfortunately, because I was I was a favor in the move. I know a lot of people weren't. I thought it would have helped. They needed lefty power, and he plays the good defense. He has some speed. He's athletic, but like, it's just not clicking. Yeah, it seemed like a good move. I know the Yankees gave up Ezekiel Duran, a hitting second baseman. They gave up Josh Smith, who who's supposed to be some kind of like, you know, uh, multiple position Ben Zobris type talent when he gets to the major leagues. And Ben Zobris is, is overstating it, but <clears throat> you know, uh, they, they gave up some talent, but it was also talent that that probably wasn't going to ever play for the Yankees because they were just so stacked up the middle. So they had those chips that they could flip. They had a a Volpe ahead of these guys, a Peraza ahead of these guys, Cabrera ahead of these guys. So. These were guys that really were going to be roadblocked anyway. And you're looking at this gold glove outfielder with big power. Yeah, go for it. So I, I get the move. And I get that it's it, it, they might get to a point where it's time to cut bait. So I'll bring up a few names to the deadline. I'm curious what you're going to think here. I have an interesting one. I think you've probably heard this a lot. I'm curious if you think the Yankees would do something like this with the Cubs. Do you think they'd actually consider bringing back D-Rob and maybe getting Ian Happ with him? Um, I don't know if they need D-Rob, right? You know, D-Rob is, is cheap. 
I, I mean, I, cheap. I don't, I don't even know what his deal is. I just assume that he's got, he's on a, on a cheap deal. With, with, oh yeah, with definitely. Yeah. Right, so, but yeah, he's cheap. He, he's, he's proven that he could pitch in, in New York. Uh, I don't, I don't know where things stand with, with D Rob and the organization after the whole playoffs chairs issue yeah, a, a few years ago when, you know, uh, the understanding is that uh, David Robertson was among the uh, many, well, the, not many, but among the guys who were pushing to cut the traveling staff out of playoff shares. Now, I understand it wasn't just him, but you know, the, our understanding is that he may have been one of the, the, the leaders in that push, a very unpopular move within the organization. And, and the bullpen's already so good, right? So I don't know that uh, D-Rob is absolutely a target the Yankees would have. That said, I mean, they bring in guys all the time that you wouldn't expect. As for Ian Happ, I mean, the, the Yankees have a, a tendency of, of going for guys uh, where they can get scout, get firsthand scouting reports, right? You know, uh, with, with, with uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and Jose Trevino, uh, the Yankees can rely on Joey Gallo for for uh, some some scouting there. Uh, when it comes to Ian Happ, they can talk to Anthony Rizzo, who's besties with Happ. Happ would make a, a good a good fit, and you know he's he's a pretty uh, pretty formidable bat. Uh, going you know going going into from one pressure situation with the Cubs uh, into a, another you know not this year but uh, into a pressure situation with with the Yankees. He would definitely be a good fit. I don't think Wilson Contreras is a guy they go for. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they would try to go for any of the Cubs catching because while maybe there is more to be desired from Kyle Agashioka's bat right now, he does provide solid defense. He is really well-liked in that clubhouse. He does handle the pitching staff really well. And you saw the Yankees turn to him in the playoffs the last two years when they couldn't, they felt like they couldn't trust Gary Sanchez in, in crunch spots. So I do think he sticks around. I don't think they make much, if any, improvement to their catching situation. And uh, you know, Hap, Hap definitely could be a name. But Julian, I'll ask you this: um, How much center field has Hap played? Um, I think that's what he's doing right now. I know he's played uh, the infield a little bit too. That's why I, I like his versatility for sure. Um, I'm gonna look up the games really quick. I, I checked this out a little while ago. I gotta check to see like what his career log looks like. I'm, we'll do this on the fly, but um, I think he'd be perfect because he could run a little bit. He could play that center spot, maybe rotate it with Judge almost because it seems like they want Hicks and left now. So I think that maybe if you had happened there, you could at least mix it up with Judge. I agree. I agree. I think that's a, a move. I mean, you can even mix up with Judge with, with Hicks in center field because Hicks can still play center field. They just consider him the better option. And and don't don't underestimate how much of a acquiescence maybe is the word. Uh, this is to Joey Gallo. I think the Yankees have said, and maybe Gallo has told them, that he's just significantly more comfortable in right field and they're trying to squeeze more out of his bat by taking a little bit off of his plate, um, by taking him out of left field. So right. if you're going to move Gallo more to right field, you can't just throw Judge in left field. Right. That's uh, a good that's point. And Gallo is doing the right. That's not the best. Uh, and Gallo's fine in left, too. I just I just wonder if it's too much for him or if, <laughs> if, if, if it hurts him, like if he just has a hard time doing it. Yeah, so so naturally the best move is just to shift over uh, Judge and Hicks. Yeah, so for Ian Happ, I was able to find it. He's played six seasons in center field. It's around, um, looks like around 240 games. And in the left field, he's played 266. So 
It's like it's like right on the edge of center and left. So he could do it. This year he's actually maybe been a left. I think they have like Moran in center now lately, but um he could do it. Um I think Judge is really much better than I thought he would be in center. I mean, he's always been a good defensive outfield, but how good he is in center has really been a little surprising to me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not so surprising to me because his arm is just silly, and and he's a smart baseball player, a smart outfielder. I think you could, I think you could stick Judge at first base right now, and I feel like I think he'd do a, a pretty decent job. He's just he's just so smart. But uh, I think that uh, I think that you're going to need Judge to lay out at some point. Like yeah. you're going to need Judge to go hard at a wall at some point. I, it hasn't really happened that much in center field right now uh, for Aaron Judge, but it, it might happen at some point. And I just don't think that you want him, uh, him being that guy. Right. I agree a hundred percent. Like we don't want to risk his health at this point. He's been playing so well. And like he's the MVP leader right now in the American league. But at the, at the same time, you got to trust him, right? You got to yeah. trust Aaron Judge that he knows what to do with his body to lay out to where he's not going to hurt himself. So right. I, I said, I'm, a, I'm like, um, you know, trusting a dog off a leash, right? No, I definitely, yeah. I definitely trust him. It's just like when it comes down to for crunch time in the postseason, you don't, and then he's going to have to go after it and you're going to hopefully something happens then, obviously, and you might want someone to help him out there. But overall, he's been great. No, he has been. Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with you. So I'll transition to some other things that are interesting. So you talked about, the catching situation. How about Jose Trevino? I don't even think the Yankees need to trade for a catcher because of how good he's been. Absolutely not. He's been uh, – uh, we'll start with him in the clubhouse. Comes off like a very genuine dude. I think he ingratiated himself like that. I've seen him, you know, in, in quick communication with starting pitchers pregame so they can go over that night's plan of attack. You know, just, just hitting up James and Tyone, like, yo, I'm ready when you are. Like, let's, let's go. Not let's go. But like, I'm ready when you are. Let's go. Uh, just, you know, being accountable, being ready. You've seen him play spectacularly uh, uh, offensively in particular. And you didn't expect all this power. But I don't know who the first player was that I noticed this with. Maybe it was uh, Austin Romine, where you'd watch some of Austin Romine's batting practices. And he'd just be tanking shots left and right. And Austin Romine wasn't known to be a power guy, but in BP, like, holy moly. Jose Trevino has a little bit of that in him. I noticed it in, uh, in Gio Urshela, actually, and, and Gio ended up being a guy who showed some pretty, you know, solid power in the major leagues. You watch Trevino's BP, and just he's got a little extra oomph there. And that's shown up in games where he's just putting his whole body into a ball and really giving it a ride. So I think that's... That's benefited him. I think the Yankees are seeing that. And just, yeah, he's been the, the overall great package. And, man, but just think about what had to happen for them to get Jose Trevino, right? They had to trade for Josh Donaldson uh, and then send Gary Sanchez to Minnesota. Then Ben Wartvet had to not be ready for the regular season because Ben Wartvet was part of that Donaldson deal. And then Albert Abreu had to have no options. So they had to trade him somewhere. He had to go. Everyone saw that happen. He was going to go somewhere. So he goes to the Rangers for Trevino. And Rorbet stays injured at AAA while Trevino is still trying to figure himself out. Goes on a hot stretch. All of a sudden looks like an all-star. And there were just so many moving moving parts to 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 this happening, uh, to, to Trevino becoming the guy for the Yankees. It's just 
hard to have envisioning have envisioned this, this happen. Believe in their team. I, I don't see that, that. Of course, they didn't see it going this great. But sometimes when you put yourself in a position to succeed, you know, good things happen. Even better things happen. So, so, so to kudos to them. I agree. It's been great. And I'm going to transition to the farm and someone we both talked about. Um, how about Ken Waldachuk? Do you think he could be in play soon for a major league start? So that's a great point, right? I, when we were talking about, when we were talking about, uh, you know, guys who can make spot starts, when we were talking about the trade deadline, when we were talking about even bullpen additions, I didn't even bring up Ken Waldachuk. I didn't even bring up a, um, other dude's name. Hayden Wisniewski. Yes, thank you. Uh, a guy like him, even like a guy like uh, Greg Weiser or something like that, who's a AAA and, 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 and who could, you know, give you some innings. They, they have extra arms, right? They're just stacked with pitching. Uh, Luis Medina, I think, has looked good lately at, mm-hmm. at double A now. Yep. He's, he's farther away, right? Uh, but he, I believe, is in his last option here. So he, he's got to figure it out uh, or, or else. He's a pretty solid candidate to get traded. Interesting. Okay. Uh, this, this trade deadline, right? Because the Yankees don't have room for him. Uh, he's obviously got like stupid talent. Uh, you, you could try to package him and, and send him to another team uh, who, who can give him time on the major league roster, right? Uh, because I think he's, again, I think he's at option here. Um, but yeah, so like you said, uh, Waldachuk, sure. Could Waldachuk get, get shots? I think so. But the Yankees also don't want to start the clocks of these guys. Mm-hmm. Don't want to start the major league service time clocks on these guys. Think about when Glaber went down the other day with the wrist and with the ankle. If there was a little bit more to that, if he needed an IL stint, I think the Yankees would have gone instead of to Oswald Peraza. Uh, I think you know the, the top prospect, the shortstop prospect at AAA. I think they would have gone for a Derek Dietrich, uh, a Chris Owings. Oh wow, really? That's interesting. I think, I think they would have gone for one of those guys rather than start the clocks on on uh, Oswald Peraza. I think they would have prefer wow. to call those guys up who they can just DFA real quick uh, and have fill in for a few games Interesting. Uh, rather than rather than call up one of those guys and then start his service time clock. The only way to that is that they would have to make space in the 40 for those guys. Yeah, but, Basel, but, yeah but the Yankees keep a keep a 40th guy on the roster that they know they can kind of switch in and out like David McKay, like a many Van Willis. Like they, they, they have they have the last two spots on their roster basically set right because like they're gonna have Chapman come back in for Weber like that's an example of one move that's probably gonna take place um tomorrow exactly so, so th- that they 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 know which that's spots true. uh they, they can they can subtract from yeah the pitching depth is great though I mean Clark Schmidt could be a starter on almost any team right now I think if they, the Yankees didn't have so many arms he could be a back-end guy I think for a few teams in the major leagues right now I think he's proven he could do that and they do have a lot of good options. It's going to be interesting to see because, like you said, there's too many arms. Like, they can't keep everyone. Like, someone's got to get moving. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's kind of the Yankee situation every year, right? The, the, the Yankees find uh, these, these prospects, low-level guys, uh, mid-level guys, high-level guys, and, and, you know, someone's got to go. But the Yankees also find spots on their roster that they can optimize, their, their big league roster that they can optimize. And I think right now you're looking at, one outfield spot. I think you're starting to see Aaron Hicks turn it around a little bit. So I, I don't think they're so concerned about his production. I think it's more about Joey Gallo. And then you then you look at the starting rotation and you look at the at at the relief uh, situation. I think I think that's where where you start to eyeball things. I can't imagine another position position that that they they're looking to to improve on. 
Yeah, it's really just outfield, I would think. But I am going to transition to shortstops because speaking of a lot of shortstops, man, the Yankees organization's loaded. Obviously, you got Anthony Bowlby. You got Barraza, who we've talked about. IKF kind of seems like a stopgap, like maybe next year they'll do something. Now, speaking of that, we'll go. let's go to Anthony for a little bit. How do you see his timeline playing out? Like, what do you think is going to end up happening with him? He's playing well right now, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. He's hitting, he, I think, over the past month. He's putting up numbers that you expect from Anthony Volpe. Mm-hmm. I think he ends the season at AAA. Maybe in September. You know, maybe in September he gets that call up to AAA. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would have thought that it would be wouldn't have been like outside the realm of possibility that he might end up with a uh, big league call up by September. But nah, uh, especially considering the way he started the year, especially considering how IKF has IKF has been very serviceable at shortstop. I don't think they need to rush him. I think that you're looking at him as a possible big league guy sometime in the middle of next year. Okay. I don't don't know when he's rule five eligible. I don't know when they have to add him to the 40 man. So that will also come into play, but I just think they're going to take their time. They're going to let him cook because when they bring him up, I think they see it as he's here to stay a little bit like Glaber Torres. I think that, you know, when Glaber was, um, was starting to become an option in 2017, I believe it was. Yes. Uh, he got called up and that he, you know, messed up his elbow, needed uh, Tommy John surgery after that slide uh, into home. Yeah. Uh, around that time, the Yankees were thinking about calling him up. And I think they would have called him up with the idea of like, this is our guy now. Sorry, Chase Hedley. Uh, so I think that with Anthony Volpe, they want to call him up and, and 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 give him a spot spot. Well, I'll give you some layers on Volpe quickly. His OPS is over 900 in June. He's hitting 300 basically. Has five is 10 homers and 15 is 37 RBIs. So the, everything seems to be coming together. And he leads with stolen bases too. Like there's nothing he's not doing well right now. It's like 27 steals already at the halfway mark. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't tell you about the steals. I, I'm shocked at, at his at the speed he's shown. I don't even think he's like a burner uh, when it comes to a, a, a shortstop. And he's fast, right? I just think he's really smart. I think the Yankees have put him in a lot of good positions. I think the, you know, the Yankees have definitely, as an organization, you've heard it a bunch of times, re-emphasized uh, base stealing this year. And I think that they've been aggressive more than usual. So that's, you know, Anthony Volpe is a, a sign of that success because of his speed, because of his smarts. Uh, and I, I do think that he is a little bit farther away than I think Maybe we all thought at the beginning of the season, we meaning people who are outside the team, just because you saw him steamroll high A and you thought, all right, he'll just go steamroll double A, but it's not that easy. Double A pitching yeah. is significant. That league's good, and I've seen a lot of it, and you have too. The Eastern League in double A is really legitimate. There's a lot of good talent in there. It took a minute to adjust. He also had so many expectations, like his friends and family at every game. His house is like 15 minutes away. Like It's a, cra- it's a crazy environment there sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's doing now. I know he was living at home. Uh, I think least. he still is. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I was wondering how. I was wondering how it was going to work out, right? Because you you come home from, come home every day, and you know you're used to living on your own, and all of a sudden it's mom's home. Like <laughs> you got <laughs> you got to go talk. How was your day? I went over four. Like <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, mom. I was wondering how that would work out for him. But, I mean, I mean, he's he's I, I've met his parents. They're they're super genuine, super super good people. And uh, I'm, I'm sure they, I'm sure that they back off a little bit. 
Yep, I can back that up to 100%. That's cool. Sorry. Yeah, I'm sure you got that too. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to stick with short stops. How about, do you think Peraza could be someone they look to move at the trade deadline? Because he's kind of like in an odd spot, I feel like, because we know Volpe's going to be a shortstop. Peraza's playing better, but he didn't get off to a good start in AAA either. And like you said, you didn't think they would call him up. So I'm curious how, where you sit on this. I don't know, because really Peraza is a high-end prospect. If you're going to trade a high-end prospect, you want to go get a high-end piece for your major league team. What's the high-end piece the Yankees need right now? I would say I'm going to give you a snap. Maybe someone like a Frankie Montas, maybe someone like that. Montas is a a free agent after next season, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I, I do wonder if they could swap out a Frankie Montas for Jameson Tyone. Tyone is set to be a free agent after this season. And the Yankees do like bringing in those starting pitchers who have at least another year or two of control rather than going into the free agent market and signing a pitcher for, I mean, you saw them do it with, with Jay Happ. Right. You see them do it on, on, on occasions here and there. Paxton but I do too. Huh? Paxton too. Paxton. But well, well, no, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. They, they traded for half, but then they signed half to a deal. I'm talking about signing guys to deals. So oh, they, they well, my bad, Paxton. my bad. I don't think they signed Paxton to a deal, right? They no, just, they, they didn't. He had two years in the deal. So, yeah, no, it's, it's all good. So you know, we're, we're talking about the same thing. So I do think that Montas makes sense as that next year replacement for Tyone, right? They pick up the Luis Severino uh, contract extension for next season. Uh, he's got a, a one-year $15 million option for next year. So you pick up Luis Severino and you kind of look at your situation with Tyone, how much money he wants. But you also say, hey, I got Frankie Montas here too. So, but yeah, but that being said, like, I don't know that they trade Oswald Peraza for Frankie Montas. Maybe they do, maybe. But, you know, Oswald Peraza is a, a pretty big deal uh, uh, type prospect and the Yankees might want to hold on for him, hold on to him. Right. I agree 100%. And I think we'll, we'll wind down because I know you got to get going and um, it is almost game time. But, um, Brenton, I really want to thank you for doing this. This was really a pleasure. Um, I'd love to chalk it up in the future as well. And hopefully I'll see you in Somerset again. I know we got a long season ahead of us still. Yeah, brother. It'd be great to see you around. Good talking to you. I appreciate the time to talk to you. Uh, you had a lot of great questions today. You're really up on your Yankees knowledge. I hope I hope a lot of people uh, tune into here and, and you know seek you out more for, for your Yankees opinions because you are on top of yourself. Thank you. I really appreciate that.